The scripture lesson this morning comes from Luke's Gospel, the first chapter, verses 57 through 66. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Communication is something that we often take for granted. I realize that not everyone has the ability to talk, but almost everyone has the ability to communicate in one way or another. Communication is one of the things that we learn to do before almost anything else. When a baby is hungry, she cries. When a baby needs to be changed, he screams. Communication seems as though it's something that just comes naturally to us. Over time, we manage to learn more complex ways of communicating. We learn longer and more impressive words. We're taught ways of building stronger arguments. We learn how to communicate our thoughts and feelings through writing and speaking. Humans require relationships with one another. Communication, verbal or otherwise, is what binds us together as a species. It gives us a sense of purpose and belonging to groups of people. When I was at Wofford, I took a class that dealt with communication. We discussed the different ways that humans communicate. We explored the reasons for communication and the societal impacts of it. But one of the key things that I learned from this class came from a project that we were assigned. The professor had us agree to not speak to anyone for 72 hours, an entire weekend. We were allowed to be around other people. We were allowed to communicate with others, but we could not talk to them. Needless to say, this is a lot more difficult than you might think. After the class had completed the project, we discovered three basic ideas. First, if there's something that we feel is very important to communicate, we often do it through speech. Second, the longer you do not speak, the more you want to speak. And third, the longer you do not speak, the easier it becomes to stay quiet. It only took our class 72 hours to come to these conclusions about ourselves and the ways that we communicate with one another. I wonder how long it took Zechariah to come to these same conclusions. Zechariah was a priest in Jerusalem. He was the high priest during one of the most important times of the year. He needed his voice. If there ever is a good time for a person to lose his or her voice, this was not it. People needed to be able to speak to Zechariah, but more than that, Zechariah needed to be able to speak to the people. An angel had visited Zechariah, and God had a message for him that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth would have a baby. They would name this child John. And Zechariah questioned the angel of the Lord, which is why Zechariah had his voice silenced. Well, fast forward nine months. A child has been born. 
Zechariah is a proud new dad. Elizabeth is a proud new mom. Both of them, I am sure, are scared to death. They're new parents. They're not quite sure of certain things. But making things even more difficult is the fact that Zechariah is a very busy priest at the temple, and he still doesn't have his voice. How could this man possibly do his job and raise a brand new child without having a voice? Is it even possible? Just imagine that you're Zechariah. You know the eighth day is coming. It's the day of the circumcision. If you're the high priest, this is one of the most important days in your life. Your child will join his people, God's people, by the sacred act of circumcision. While you're excited and proud for this day to arrive, you're also dreading it. The angel has brought this news that John would be born, but he also brought the news that this child's name would be John. Nobody in your family has this name. It's not your name. People did not just come up with a new name for their children back then. It wasn't normal. If a person named their child something new, something that no one in their family had been named, the people knew that that child would be destined for something different. Zechariah was afraid of what everyone would think if he named this child John. I've not had the pleasure of having a child yet. I've heard from several of you, though, that when you had your children, you were a little bit afraid of your parents or your in-laws. You weren't afraid that they would not love the child. You were afraid of what they would think of you because of what you named the child. You were afraid that if you let them know what you would name the child before they were born, that they would relentlessly offer their own modest suggestions of what this child should be named. In fact, having not even had a child yet, I'm a little more than scared of when Allie and I might have our own children. We're afraid of what those suggestions might mean. We're afraid of having to be able to name those children on our own and having other people offer their own modest suggestions. Well, you see, the eighth day has come for Zechariah, and it's a big day. It's the day that this child will receive his name. You're Zechariah. All of the people, all of your relatives, they're all watching and waiting with anticipation. There have been murmurs all morning. People have been guessing what you will name this baby boy. Surely you're going to call him Zechariah too. You're an important man in the eyes of your people. You're the high priest. Why wouldn't you name this child after you? Surely if he received your name, he would be destined for greatness. The time has arrived. You still have not decided for sure what you'll name this boy. And then you hear your wife say, no, he will be called John. For a moment, you feel your heart sink. There's no going back now. Your wife has spoken. She's shown faith. You can overrule her, but do you really want to? She's managed to put her faith into action and follow God's call, even in this act of going against the societal norm. Everyone looks at you. They're waiting for your response. Whatever you say will be this child's name forever. What will it be, Zechariah? What do you say? You know you can't speak. At this particular moment, you're actually a little bit glad that you can't speak. You aren't sure that the words would make it past your lips if you tried anyway. You motion for someone to bring you a tablet. You take the pen in your hand and you begin writing. At first, your hand is quivering with fear and anxiety. You think to yourself, what will these people think of me? 
I can't believe I'm doing this. Will they respect me? Will they listen to me? What if I do this and get my voice back? What use is there in having a voice if no one's going to respect me enough to even listen to it? But as you write, a small miracle begins to happen. Your hand steadies, your confidence grows. Out of a place in your heart that you did not even know was there, you feel strength and a sense of peace that you've not known in years. The pen makes its last stroke. You place it down on the table. The room is silent. The tension is evident. You pick up the paper and turn it around so that everyone can read the words of your heart. And as their eyes make out the letters on the tablet, their lips move. And at that moment, you realize yours are too. For the first time in months, words come out of your mouth. Your voice is returned with a confidence and authority fueled by faith in the Spirit of the living God. His name is John. You've spoken. Your people have heard. This baby has a name. It's not the name that you would have chosen. But it's the name that God has given to this child. Although you do not completely know why, you have done what was unexpected. You've gone against the grain and you've given this child a name. More than that, you wanted your voice and you got it back. Yes, you got the voice back that was taken as a sign that this child would come and he would be named John. But in the midst of this ordeal, you got another voice back. One that you didn't even realize you had lost. This voice is the one that reaches far deeper than the ears of those who hear you. This voice is able to push past the hardest of hearts. It penetrates into the soul of everyone who hears it. This is the voice that only comes when you have oriented your will towards God's. Zechariah knew that he needed his voice, and it was going to mean that he had to do something different. He would have to obey God, even if that meant naming his son something that was out of the ordinary. We're just like Zechariah. As people seeking to develop a relationship with God and doing all that we can to become more like Christ, we're called to do something different. We're called to live our lives as Christ did, and not necessarily as the world thinks that we should. God calls each of us into a relationship with Jesus Christ so that we might know God more fully. We've been given an example to follow. This example was not someone who was looking for the approval of the elite. He was not looking to make friends to climb a social ladder. Jesus came to give a new life to everyone. That included the social elite, but it also included those that the world pushed to the edges of the community. Jesus was looking for people who needed a friend. He was looking to give a voice to people who did not have one. This example of love, of selfless giving, has shown us what we were made to do. We're made to be in a relationship with God who has reached out to us and breathed into us a new life. But we're also to be in a relationship with all of God's children. Those who know God and those who don't. So that we might point them to the God of all creation. This idea of doing something different is not a new concept. But it is a difficult one to actually live. So often we want to do what God calls us to do, but at the last moment we choose a way out because we're afraid of what everyone around us might think. We try to rationalize our decision. What good is it if I take a stand on this issue if it means that nobody will listen to me again? 
Surely if I keep driving and do not make eye contact, someone else will stop and help that person. None of my other friends seem to think that that person is worth hanging out with. Maybe I shouldn't either. We have all sorts of excuses that we tell ourselves to make us feel better about turning away from God's will. After a while, though, we start to lose our voice. Little by little, people start noticing that we're not taking stands on issues for which we say we stand. We're not allowing our hearts to break for those who are brokenhearted. We're still finding ways to neglect and reject certain people that the rest of the world thinks should be left alone. One day we finally wake up and we try to speak, but we find that nothing comes out. We've lost our voice. We've lost the voice that proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. What are we to do about it? If we want our voice back, we have to do something different. We have to respond to our baptism. We have to live like the beloved children of God that we are. We have to care for others. For some of us, we haven't been silent for very long. This is good news because it means that we're just looking for a reason to speak. We just need a little push to get out into the world and to tell the world of the good news that God has given to us. Maybe we're looking for ways to use our voice. I encourage you to use it in a variety of ways. Look for ways to volunteer. Try to find organizations that are already doing good in the community. Join them. Get involved. Talking about doing good and reaching out to the community is a good start. But to get our voice back, we actually have to do good in the name of Jesus Christ. For others of us, we've not used our voices in quite a while. The quietness in which we live has become a source of comfort and security. It does not require us to push our faith and grow in our relationship with God. It's going to be a little more difficult for us to find our voice. If it's been a long time since you have gone against the grain to tell others about God, start small. Don't overdo it. Small gestures of goodwill are going to eventually allow you to whisper God's love to the world. Over time, it will become a little easier to get out of your comfort zone. Little by little, you'll start to get your voice back. Continue to stretch the limits of your comfort and security. Listen to ways God has spoken to you. And then go out and mirror that love to the world. To all of God's creation. The Scripture is a story about a baby boy getting a name. It's a name that's not expected by onlookers. It's a story about someone hearing the voice of God and choosing to do something different so that others might be pointed toward God. It's only fitting that this high priest, in an act of going against the norm, would not only get his voice back, but would give an even stronger voice to the one who would cry out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight. And the rough places shall be made level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Do you want a voice? Go out into the world and do something different.